Lunchtime hour, Gresham Fourier. It is Tuesday. That means it's time to talk to our friend Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston. Tommy is brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lepresti and Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Kern at 1-800-GET-HAIR. By Awaken 180 Weight Loss, become your own success story by dropping the weight holding you back. It starts with just one call to Awaken 180. And by Unified Office, where they help businesses maximize every incoming call at unifiedoffice.com. Tommy Kern on the Harbor One Hotline. Tommy, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? We're uh, hanging in there. Uh, is it flooded in Foxborough? They going inside today? Uh, have you been able to uh, put any two and two together on uh, how Bill Belichick will be running practice after uh, really, I don't know, Eastern Massachusetts all the way up through Boston and Worcester and all that have been uh, flooded this morning with more ridiculous rain? TBD. TBD on the weather update. We will see what they do. I, I know, obviously, they practiced in the rain yesterday. It could be a slick field today. You have a day off in terms of just a walkthrough prior to the uh, the first game of the preseason on Thursday. So we'll see what kind of uh, plan they have in place. But you don't want to get guys slipping and sliding out there. So, again, TBD. All right, so Trey Flowers uh, signed us today, right? Officially saw that reported today. So how do you think uh... – the Patriots are going to use Trey Flowers. How do you see his uh, his like I don't know him how being does he thrown fit? into the mix? Yeah, just how does it all work for him? Well, I think it's good depth on the outside. He was such a good player in terms of being able to set the edge on a regular basis. And if you look at Josh Uche, the guy who comes off the edge screaming as a situational pass rusher, he's still developing as an every down um, edge player. So I think Flowers would be, you know, a really good compliment to Josh Uche as Uche continues to add his ability to play as a, as a three-down player. Not saying he can't do that, but he's certainly a far different body type than Flowers. And Flowers has the versatility to move inside. He can play outside. He's got the leadership. He was an excellent leader while he was here. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to play 70% of the snaps, but I think you add somebody to the room who understands how the team was when they were winning championships and it has to be a positive for them. He, he seemed like a very easy ad last off season. So to see him come in now, he'll have to carve a role, but I think that he absolutely will have a role. If there's enough left in the tank, he dealt with injuries in Detroit. So we'll see what kind of player he is coming back. But I think it's, I think it's a, a, a smart ad. Uh, I do too. Yeah. For me, Tommy, my, honestly, my first thought was, Oh, did somebody get hurt? Because I can't envision Trey Flowers coming in and saying, yeah, this is the spot I'm going to come to try to earn a roster spot. You know, like I wondered, hey, he's a vested veteran. He's been here before. Would this guy come here unless he had a at least an inkling or an idea that he was going to be on the roster? I clearly don't know if anyone is hurt. But I also wonder if it's um, – maybe not handed to him, but he's got the inside track of being able to make this team uh, coming out of camp. And then it doesn't turn into one of those, hey, let's mess around with whether your deal is guaranteed or not after the first week of the season, yada, yada. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, to, to just dredge up an old guy, to say John Lynch. John Lynch was close to the end of his career. He came in as a safety. They didn't really need a safety. He was a obviously future Hall of Fame player 
at that point, so you added him to the mix. He didn't make the team, but he played a ton in that preseason. So, you know, we'll see if he's able to get on the field, Trey Flowers, on Thursday, but I would imagine we'll see a fair amount of him on the field in the preseason to just establish what what level of play he's able to perform at. So, um, you know, Trent Brown spoke yesterday. Obviously, you know, he's a big concern. The entire offensive line, I feel like, is a concern. I guess at what point in time do you kind of look at the offensive line and start worrying about it? Like, so it's like it, you know, at what point in time did you go, okay, this is a real concern and it doesn't look like there's any help? April. April. <laughs> so it's already too late, like right? So they didn't do anything to help themselves? Well, they've made moves that they ostensibly believe are going to help themselves. And I think one of the encouraging things that we're seeing in camp is it's not disarray. There's not guys jumping offside. There's not these huge pauses in between reps. There's not confusion and guys from the defense walking through unblocked as if guys don't know what they're doing. So even though they're into their depth, they had you know four out of their five offensive linemen were backups during Sunday's practice. At least there's that silver lining to build upon. If Adrian Clem and Billy Yates are doing a good job in terms of getting these guys up to speed, then at least you have that checked off. But, you know, I think Connor McDermott is more than fine as a right tackle. I don't know what Unwenu's trajectory is for being ready for the regular season, and I'm sure Bill's not going to be really forthcoming with that either. But Andrews will be Andrews. Strange is fine once he comes back from his injury, which fortunately when he left the field with the knee after um, – a rep against Lawrence Guy, he looked like he was moving around and firing out of his stance a little bit. So he'll be back. And then all indications are that there's nothing long-term with Trent Brown. They're just managing it. So they have the five. Nobody's down for the count. But between Calvin Anderson and Riley Reef and the free agents that the Patriots didn't bring in at either tackle position, you, you have to have a level of concern as to the depth. It's not a disaster, but it's absolutely a concern that has existed since last regular season ended. So it remains a concern. Yeah. So it's, so I guess uh, if if they were all healthy, if if we can you know live with the idea that ev- all those guys are healthy, would you feel pretty confident they have a good group out there? Yes, I would. I think Connor McDermott is is the X factor, and I think people look at him being signed back from the Jets practice squad last year and playing right tackle. And go, is that really a that really starting NFL player, but I thought he played well down the stretch last year. So put him over there, and you have between Calvin Anderson and Riley Reef tackle depth. But again, it's it's all kind of tenuous because, as it always is, but you're seeing injuries along the offensive line. Andrews is an older player; he's dealt with stuff in the past. Um, but I, yeah, I think that there's a competency level that you can look at with their starting five that you say, okay, those, those guys should be able to give Mac Jones enough time and protection. They have enough intelligence too to play together as a unit. So uh, I'm confident that that will work. Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston Aggression for you. He's with us each and every Tuesday. And, of course, if you missed the chat, go to WEEI.com. Just subscribe to the Aggression for a podcast, and you can get all of our chats with Tommy each and every Tuesday. Uh, big opportunity for maybe Kevin Harris on Thursday to sort of quiet down 
maybe the Patriots sort of kicking the tires on some of these veteran running backs? Or do you think there will ultimately be a transaction there, regardless of how good a, a guy like Harris might play in the preseason? I definitely think they need some more depth, especially with Ty Montgomery continuing to be down in his injury history. So even if Harris looks like somebody who can subtract from the load that Ramondre Stevenson carries, I still think you need more depth there. Pierre Strong has had some solid practices, so he could be your third down back. But again, it's all that blitz pickup stuff that they're concerned about more than the pass catching aspect. So I think Harris, there'll be an asterisk affixed to anything he does Thursday against the Texans based upon who he's running behind and based upon what the matchups are. Is it twos against twos, twos against threes? How does it look? But I think that he, I'm not seeing anything that stands out fresh where I'm like, he can't do it. And I would think that the Patriots in general would prefer to err on the side of, we drafted these guys, but figure out how good they can be with more put in their plate in their second years rather than bring somebody in. I just, it's a developing situation that will be more developed after the Texans game and after next week's joint practices with Green Bay, if they say, okay, you know what, this, he, he just doesn't quite have it yet, then maybe a veteran comes in kind of in the same vein that, that Flowers comes in. I know everybody's focused on the offense. Are there a couple of young players on defense that you are interested or maybe even, dare I say, excited to get a look at on Thursday night? I'd love to see how Marte Mapu would be deployed, but we'll see if he takes off that red non-contact jersey as he comes back from his pec injury. He plays a ton, as you guys have seen during all your time at practices too, um, but he kind of is still in a non-contact situation. But his length, his athleticism, and his versatility, he plays at the second level, he plays at the third level in the McCourty spot. So if he can get on the field, I'm definitely interested in him. Marcus Jones in his second year, to me, is he continuing to be a competitive corner? Can he make plays on the ball? Um, those guys are all ones that I'm, I'm like kind of high on to see how the arc of their second years develops too. And, and always too is who's on the field and who isn't on Thursday in this first preseason game because they've really diminished the load that guys are carrying. But it'll be interesting to see where they think guys slot right now and who gets the night off. So – Historically, the Patriots uh, have a long, long, consistent history of uh, finding undrafted guys, and then those guys make the opening day roster. It's I feel like it's 17 years in a row, something crazy. Like mm-hmm. they, they, either they're tied or they lead the league for the longest undrafted free agents making the team. Um, if is there a, if you were to take a pick, if you were to draft a guy that you would kind of be okay, that's my guy who I think is going to make the opening day roster, based on the fact that he was undrafted. Who would be a guy you would consider? Um, I think there's a lot of candidates. There's there's, there's end of the draft candidates, obviously. Yeah, those guys yeah. don't count. I know those guys know. don't count. So, do you want me to kind of give well, you a list of guys? I, I guess I would say yeah, this. Me a name. Yeah, there you go. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, we can go. Oh, wait, no. This is the wrong list. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, because here's the thing. I wonder if uh, I wonder if that stat, uh, Tommy, sort of gets uh, punted this year only because 
I and and maybe Demario Douglas and Kayshawn Booty would have been off the board, but I feel that's like exactly that's yeah. the direction I'm going. You yeah, have a sixth and the seventh round pick, Douglas the 210th overall pick, and he's already running as kind of a starter in many practices and many you know packages. Booty has Booty has really made strides in the last week. So those are two guys who are kind of standing out to me. I mean, I'm, I'm looking, you know, Isaiah Bolden was a late round pick too. He is a ridiculous athlete. Um, so he's another player who I think is, is emerging. So those guys are the ones who I really look forward to seeing perform, you know, Thursday night too. So I hear, I'm sure that they're going to, I mean, they drafted a punter, they drafted a kicker. So it's hard to say Ryland or Barringer, um, you know, they don't fit the undrafted profile, but the Patriots have, and I'm going to do this. We have our 14th season of quick slants begins tonight. Oh. So we'll have that show on six o'clock, but you know, that's one of the things I want, I want to focus on is how well they've kind of done in the draft since 2020 and starting to rebuild their new core. Tell me if these names, I, you know what? I just looked up the undrafted guys that they had and obviously Malik Cunningham out of Louisville, Jordan, Helig, linebacker, Appalachian State. Uh, Johnny Lumpkin, tight end, Lu- Louisiana Lafayette. Ed Lee, is he still on Ed the Lee's team? Cut. He's yeah, he's cut, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So that's the ERI guy that had no chance. Yeah, yeah, Justice Tavai and Anthony Johnson, safety out of Virginia. I'm not even sure if any of these yeah. guys are even on the uh, I think Lumpkin and Cunningham would probably be ticketed toward the practice squad. Yeah. They're developmental. I mean, I like the way Johnny Lumpkin – Move for a guy his size, he's massive, like 270. And I think Malik Cunningham has done nothing but be an interesting player. Mark Daniels from Mass Live wrote about him today, is calling him one of the most intriguing prospects of the last decade because he's a converted quarterback to wide receiver. Um, but he is just a smart, smart, smart player. And he brings something, obviously, to their team in general that they don't otherwise really have in terms of a move quarterback on the roster. There isn't so that two players. I was going to say there isn't that like undrafted corner that isn't flashed by now, yeah. right? It feels like this may be a year where they don't have one, but I I find that hard to believe. I think I was just going over this list of all the guys on the team, especially that are from these small schools like Judon and Duggar and Strange and Mapu, all these guys from these small schools who play pivotal roles or you think will play a pivotal role. I think Bill like kind of joneses for these guys to make the team. Like he advocates for them. Oh, I definitely think he does, and I think it's you know in some ways whether it's Steve Neal or Bill Murray or Julian Edelman, any player that he feels he can unearth, mold, and turn into a, a contributor at, at the NFL level. He's always you know I think he likes that. Whether that's you know a hobby of his, <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna add con- I was, hobby of his. I was gonna add what control. A great line. I was gonna add control. <laughs> yeah, mold. Be thankful that you're here. Yeah, when you're really good, uh, always take less money. And and, and, well, and I, yeah, it's, like Jacoby Myers is a perfect example. Great you example. Wes Welker would be a good example. I mean, as someone said to me once, Bill loved Wes Welker at three million a year. When it was $12 million a year and he got franchised, he was not nearly as big a fan. And there is a 
there is a price tag, I think, that Bill sees that floats over the the helmets of the players when they're on the field and how much they're making and how much it makes him smile when there's low price tags on guys who are running around doing things for him. He's like, that's a good value. I love that value. Well, big price tag Tom E. Curran will be at practice today and then on quick slants tonight and with Jones and Mego on Thursday and, uh, of course, a part of our uh, Sunday stuff as well once the regular season begins. Tommy, thank you, friend. We appreciate you, brother. We'll uh, see you down the road. All right, guys. Thanks so much.